the choice to spread love in a world full of pain. The generation willing to be a light in darkness. The selfless desire to serve humanity. The purpose fueled with passion to make a difference. This is Madcasters, the ultimate guide you need to impact the world. What's going on, everyone? This is your host, Brian St. Louis, and I'm here to connect you to impact leaders across the globe who strive to make a difference in their communities and the world. As you listen to these gripping stories and endeavors from inspirational people and organizations, you will gain the confidence to implement strategies to make a difference not only in your personal life, but to impact humanity around you. Please subscribe to Madcasters on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Instagram. Support through Patreon. Together, let's make a difference and change the world. going on everyone this is your host brian st louis and with us we have our special guest rebecca sherbino and she is with the raw carrot the raw carrot is actually a an organization that is looking to envision a world where everyone is meaningfully employed and able to meet their basic needs and they believe that a sustainable hand up is way more awesome than a handout i must say that Having this conversation with Rebecca, I believe is going to be very empowering and you're going to be able to hear and learn something that's going to be amazing. Trust me. I love this. And Rebecca has been such a great one individual, wonderful woman, just being able to speak with her before. And so I don't want to hold off anybody at this point. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on to Madcasters and being a part of our highlights of individuals who are making a difference in our world and the community. Thanks, Brian. I'm so grateful to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't we just get into this? Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? And um, even before the raw carrot was was created. Yeah. So the raw carrot started, I guess, with the germ of an idea um, that people could experience a hand up in life instead of just Mm. a handout. And so that my background is in international development. And I spent a number of years living in Africa where I saw people who were marginalized through poverty mm. um, in, in lots of circumstances there. Uh, when our family moved back to Canada, I got to know some people in my local community here in Paris, Ontario, which is rural southwestern Ontario. Um, and mm. quickly I realized that there were a lot of people that were marginalized and vulnerable here in our own community as well through poverty, mm. um, generational poverty or disability or mental illness. And I became concerned about those folks that um, I kept hearing that they wanted to work, but couldn't find an opportunity to get a job. And so because of that, they were relegated to this cycle of poverty um, and having Mm. to beg and ask for a handout consistently to try to meet their basic needs. Wow. So what what basically brought you to the place where you said to yourself, well, I'm just going to create 
raw carrot. How did that come about? Yeah, such a good, good question. So um, I guess I, I really decided personally to get involved when I got to know a young woman named Amanda. And Amanda was a woman in our mm. church congregation who um, was just graduating high school when when I got to know her, she was 13, actually, and she was going through her high school years. Um, she had a disability. Mm-hmm. Her family was both of her parents were on social assistance. And basically her pa- plan, her parents plan for her life was to see her be diagnosed with her disability so that she could get onto social assistance as well. Um, I don't think they had, you know, most people have their parents talking to them about university or college or career choices. Um, In her case, her parents plan for her life was to be diagnosed with a disability so that she could receive social assistance. And as I got to know Amanda and started to see her capabilities, although I saw a young woman who, yes, was struggling with a disability, she had a developmental disability, but Amanda had so much potential to me. She Um, I got involved with her. She babysat my kids. She helped work in our church nursery. I could see that she was someone who was loyal and committed and responsible. um, And in the right supported environment, she could really thrive. Um, But because of all those barriers to traditional employment and just um, a life that had not led to a traditional employment opportunity, Mm -hmm. she didn't see herself as someone who could be employed. And so when I decided to get involved with Amanda, um, I drove her to an employment training agency for six months, um, and they had promised wow. that at the end of this period of training and resume building and skills, soft skills building, um, at the end of this training opportunity that I'd taken her to, um, there was supposed to be an opportunity for an interview, and they were very hopeful she was mm-hmm. going to get a job. Um, well, we came out of that experience, and she interviewed at three places, and she didn't get a job anywhere. And so it really left me with this like big feeling of helplessness that people who wanted to work were not having the opportunity to have that need met. And so to me, that's a massive inequality that we we have people that want to work on one hand, but um, we can't seem to have jobs that support some of their their needs on the other hand. And so Mm. because a traditional work environment is so structured towards profit, um, you know, we just it's for the it's structured for the strong. It's structured for, the, for those people who really do well at full time hours and a big job. Um, and she was struggling right. in that environment. And so, um, just out of that sense of frustration at that period of time, um, myself and a friend decided to start the Raw Carrot, and it really just started as a very small means to provide some income um, to a few folks that we knew who were struggling on their margins, just like Amanda. So. Explain this to me because I, I I love the fact that you you knew Amanda in this way. You you saw a need in, in for her life, and you went so deep to try to find her uh, employment. Right? I mean, let, let's let's be honest here. A lot of people would probably stop at that place if if you know six months went by. I I help you to try to find employment. I did the best that I can. I mean, it's not like that alone is 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 very admirable but now you went from the fact that you weren't able to necessarily find her employment so you created employment <laughs> that like to me that that's so mind blowing what what did so we we see that the girl care was created how exactly were you able to to create this platform or 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 this organization this this place for um, Amanda and people like Amanda at this point who can't find working opportunities, but they want to to 
be able to work just like many people as as we see around this world. I mean, just be for example, I was just talking to someone just Saturday and he was just talking about his his experience of not being able to find work and and I'm and I'm hearing your story and I'm seeing the fact that you literally created um income. You created an opportunity for them. So can you can you just share that for us? Like how did this actually come into fruition? Yeah. Well, I think like anything, um, sometimes when a germ of an idea lodges itself deep in your heart, um, it really feels almost like your life's passion. Um, I mean, if you're a Simon Sinek watcher, you know, when you talk about the golden circle and the why in people's lives, like why, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what is our purpose here? What do we do? Um, somehow there was a bit of a germ of, of an idea always within me to, Mm-hmm. to somehow engage with people that are marginalized and to find the bridge, find a bridge for them. Um, and probably mm-hmm. my background in seeing programs in Africa um, on a very large scale where people were being helped with um, the, you know, maybe it was inputs for seeds or fertilizer crops or um, HIV and AIDS programs, things like that. But to me, I always had this lens of seeing the projects that, you know, you people get a handout, but they have to come back to that handout year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's just no dignity in having to come back and ask for that handout again. And then maybe the funding mm-hmm. is ripped away. And then, you know, sorry, you're out of luck. So this sort of sustainable finding a way that people can be sustainably helped, um, you know, that they don't have to go to the food bank and ask for help, but that they can help themselves um, is just so much of a better solution. And I guess, you know, when we saw that gap, um, you know, no big business starts um, as a big business. It always starts with one small step. And that literally was it. You know, initially my first step was like, maybe I'll just get involved with Amanda and see what I can do. But then I got Mm -hmm. to the end of that and nothing had happened. Um, And by then I, you know, led her expectations to thinking that we were going to get her a job. Mm -hmm. And so... I guess at that point, it became a little bit of a side hustle um, because I had a friend that was also interested in the same in in Amanda and the folks that were in that same circumstance. And so, you know, we just took that one small step of like, what literally could we do? What how can we help these people get an income instead of just asking for a handout? And so, you know, that just we took the resources that we had. And to me, that was we are two women who both have families. Um, you know, my wow. colleague has four kids. I've got three kids and a foster child. So um, wow. we do a lot of cooking. And so we like to cook. We enjoy it. We don't have a background in it, but we enjoy it. And so we just thought, what can we do? Well, maybe we can cook. You know, maybe maybe we can help create opportunities through cooking. Um, and then the resource was that, on, that was also on hand there was that we were part of a church community. And the church had access to this commercial kitchen which was not being utilized during the week. Um, you know, churches are very full and busy on the weekends. Of course, Sunday is the big day mm-hmm. for most congregations um, and occasionally mm-hmm. for funerals or weddings or things like that. But there was this resource sitting there that was was underutilized. And of course, our church, maybe not of course, but our church was very willing to allow us to use that resource to reach our hands further into the community to do something good. So, you know, on one hand, we had a, a small passion for cooking, um, we saw a small need and and we had a resource at our disposal that the church was willing to let us use. So, you know, the culmination of those those things led to, again, just a few small steps down the path. And, um, you know, that that was the, the germ of the beginning of the raw carrot. Wow. So so you're telling me that 
your organization right now, the Raw Carrot, is basically found or founded in in a church building right now. That's where most. That's where everyone works. That's where people come to get the food. Everything of the sort is found right there. It is. We were really, really fortunate wow. that the church that we started in was willing to um, go, you know, explore this idea. And I think the reason they were mm-hmm. they were willing to explore it was because a lot of people, if they're on the margins or vulnerable um, and not making ends meet, one of the resources that they know that they generally do have at their disposal is the churches in the local community. You know, often there's either a food bank situated in a church or some crisis intervention funds or community meals, like churches are very, they're already well situated to help people that are, you know, Mm -hmm. in that circumstance. And so this was really a logical sort of next step that the church actually could take to more tangibly help those folks. I mean, I I, I love the fact that you were able to get it through the church because, you know, we we know that sometimes there are churches who are not willing to see certain things in certain ways. And so your church is definitely progressive enough to understand uh, that there is a need out there and there's a way for us to be able to formulate that. And and you did mention the fact that many churches, they we, we do have programs that that have more so handout um, ways of, of, of making things happen. And we, we do as well like at our church every week. Sorry, every month we, we go out into our community downtown in Calgary and we and we try to help out those who are experiencing homelessness. You know, we pray with people, we talk to people, we we have uh, bags of food and everything of the sort. But there's always, the, and we also do Tim Hortons cards, you know, that individuals are able to have. But I'll be I'll be honest, even in that, knowing that it, it is definitely benefiting someone in a certain way, I always feel like, man, there's always there's always something more that we can do. You know, what what I, and what could that look like? And to to know that your church is 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 doing it in this sense, you're you're allowing for for the disenfranchised community to be able to be uh, used and literally building their lives throughout the week. I, th- I just think it's phenomenal. I, I love the fact that uh, you all are moving in that type of direction. And, and then what what is it that you all serve at the Raw Carrot as well? Well, um, so yes, our church was very innovative, and I'll definitely sort of support mm-hmm. that. You you have to have an innovative, um, slightly risk taking. You know, people who are slightly yes. entrepreneurial in nature, maybe to go down that path to say what what can be the more. Um, and I mm-hmm. do um, I do think we need like the entire continuum, right? We need the handout. Mm-hmm. We need the um, crisis intervention for people that are at, at that first stage. But there's just so True. few opportunities in that second stage. Um, so that is what I think we need some more of. And and churches are very well placed to do that, or organizations that are already supporting marginalized and disenfranchised people. Um, so what do we serve? We serve gourmet soup. When we decided to start the raw carrot, we thought, what is a product that we would be warm and cozy? Um, that people, you know, are going to stand around a table and um, is going to feel very social. And to us, that was that was soup. Um, we live in Canada; it's cold. So we have a lot of months of cold, um, and so we just thought that's that's a fairly easy and easy thing to start with. Let's cook up some big pots of soup and see if we can sell them. And I have to tell you, Brian, these are not just your average pot of soup. Like this is gourmet. Right. Amazing, handcrafted, quality, so delicious, um, <laughs> so delicious the soup here. So this is not sort of, um, yeah, just your average uh, Campbell's, you know, can of Campbell's, soup. Campbell's, yeah. Yeah, um, this, <laughs> this is, is like a, this is a, a real, yeah, it's the real deal. It's a real gourmet soup. 
I love that. So that means when I come out to Ontario, I'm going to have to try out the raw carrot for sure. Then. Yes, absolutely. And we don't even All have right. one. It's not only one variety. We've got seven varieties of handcrafted soup. So there's lots of different oh, soups to choose. there you go. <laughs> there you go. I love that. So so what what happened next? I mean, I know you, you, you stated the fact that you started the raw carrot. You have Amanda who's able to get there. How, how did the... How did the process turn out for you? I mean, we're seeing, of course, the the effects of it, and it's amazing. I mean, I would I would recommend that anyone goes to rawcarrot.com and check out, uh, sorry, therawcarrot.com and just check out what they're doing in their communities. And it's, it's amazing for sure. But I, I know there must have been some bumps and, and some hardships along the way to, to get there. So what happened next after this whole uh this this whole view of wanting to create it and and bringing Amanda in with other individuals. What's next? Yeah. So when we first got started, we had you know a very small dream to help these four individuals that we knew. And uh, mm-hmm. in our first year, we thought if we sell five thousand dollars worth of soup, that would just be amazing. If we're able to give yeah. people five, you know, that money divided by four, and they can cook some gourmet soup and we sell it in our community, then that would be fantastic. Well. That was, mm-hmm. you know, our very small dream. And in our first year, we sold $25,000 worth of soup. And we just saw wow. the, the community come on board with what we were doing. Wow. We saw these four individuals really start to flourish as they worked in the kitchen. They were so grateful for a job. They were really, really excited mm-hmm. to be working. Um, and it wasn't only the income. It was the, the purpose and the dignity that mm-hmm. came to their life as a result of being needed and being valued. You know, we, they knew that we needed them to cook the soup. We couldn't do it ourselves. We were starting it, you know, mm-hmm. as a hand in hand venture. And so I think they really felt a sense of dignity and they were really excited, excited mm-hmm. to be part of a team. And so when we saw those results, even from those four small individuals, um, people in our church congregation started noticing. They started noticing the difference mm-hmm. in those people's lives and they started commenting to us, you know, it's really, this is really creating an impact. And so just, you know, those well-situated comments led us to think, well, maybe this could be a bit of a, a bigger thing than we imagined. And so, um, we, we, we kept going with this little kitchen for a couple of years. We slowly grew it, you know, then we had six staff and then we had eight staff. Um, uh, we're now at 10 staff here in Paris and somewhere wow. along the way, you know, a couple of years in, we thought, how can we, how can we get others to do this same thing? You know, mm-hmm. um, and somebody had approached us to stay, to say, how can we get involved and sort of replicate what you're doing? And so, you know, one site led to then, Four sites, and now we're partnered with four different church congregations. Very ecumenically, we've got a Mennonite church and a Presbyterian and United Church. Um, we're working right now with an Anglican church. So, just different um, different organizations who were interested to try the same thing. And so, out of that very small concept, um, you know, grew this sort of local, organic feeling outreach that um, you know provides localized jobs um, using. Um, vegetables and healthy things that were grown right in their very own communities um, where people can, you know, be in their community and work and be empowered um, with a job that gives them dignity. So that's where that, you know, that's what the very small start just, um, just kept growing fairly organically. I'm not going to say that it wasn't without lots of challenges and um, (laughs) pieces along the way. There always is that. That was the basis. Wow, man. So you, you literally franchised you went from your congregation and people saw your vision 
and they were able to to want to support not only just by you know by helping and and cooking or to donate but they created their own kitchens now so now you have four different locations where the raw and this is all under the under the umbrella of the raw carrot correct yeah yeah i mean there's a raw carrot organization but then there's you know the we partner in with already existing organizations we're not trying to replicate or we're not trying to recreate um the wheel you know there's already Mm -hmm. organizations and uh, church congregations that are well situated and well placed to do this and so you know, yeah. we're not trying to create something that's completely separate or, you know, working right. in a silo. Right. We're really trying to join forces with organizations that are really already involved with people in poverty that already have inroads mm-hmm. in that and really just trying to um, create an opportunity for that next step and give them the tools to to help to take that next step to um, to a more sustainable um, hand up in life. Let's be honest here. How, how do you feel knowing that you've created such an impact? Uh, in these in these individuals' lives, because I know you're you're dealing with people who have disabilities, people who are dealing with certain mental health, you know, and and it's very difficult for them to have jobs uh, by by the by the average uh, organization or or business because they already they, they look at them and they say they already see uh, the difficulties that they would have to deal with, and so but you're looking to bring them in. How does how does that make you feel as an individual as a person? having this type of impact in the world? Well, I am like thrilled and grateful and privileged to be someone who gets to do something that I love to do and to be able to see a change in people's lives. Um, Mm. I mean, I don't, you know, there's, there's definitely been difficult roads because these are very vulnerable and marginalized people. And so, yeah. When you talk about some of the, that side of what we do, there's a lot of brokenness. Um, you know, we've got people who are in a mental facility multiple times a year, and we've got people with developmental disabilities who, um, you know, struggle and people who really struggle to make ends meet, even with their job. There's, um, you know, mm. it's just lots and lots of challenges. So, you know, there's that piece that, um, I look at that and I feel so privileged, not, you know, by the very nature of the circumstances I was born into, um, mm-hmm. but by a bit on the other hand, just having a, a small hand in, in creating something that I feel like is able to give people, um, give people that hand. Yeah. So privileged. So, so thankful that I get to work in this and it would be very difficult for me to work in anything else. Um, just because it's so mm-hmm. amazing when I get to go walk down to those kitchens and look in and I see people, um, smiling, laughing at work who wouldn't yeah. otherwise have had a job. So yeah, it's just amazing. I love that. Okay. Can, can you, can you tell us a time when there was an issue, let's say with one of your employers and, and how did you deal with that how did you tackle that that issue at that time in that sense hmm. most of our challenges have probably revol- resolved more around um the financial aspect of running a business mm. i mean i can talk about the social okay. challenges too those are those are challenging but i feel like um you know now that we figured out this little concept right created create these jobs mm. um 
help people be empowered to work in a kitchen, teach them life skills, um, cook gourmet soup and sell the soup. Like that's actually the fairly easy side of what we're yeah. doing. Um, sure. On the other side is this whole like sort of business piece that we're always having to navigate. And, you know, that's just the realities of trying to work in something where you constantly need an income because a hundred percent of the sales of the soup roll back into continually creating mm-hmm. more hours and more jobs for staff members. So Probably the our bigger our bigger challenges along the way have always re, you know revolved around can we can we grow how can we grow our sales how can we you know diversify our, diversify our sales pathways um, when uh, right now our our staff members make minimum wage so when minimum wage jumped yeah. way up a couple of years ago that was you know sort of almost killed the business concept and you know then we've always got mm. the rising costs of food and then we had COVID where everything shut down and. Um, so, you know, it's, we face the same thing as any, any other business that's operating in, Mm -hmm. you know, this atmosphere where you just don't have a lot of control. And so you just are always very, very, um, aware of the, uh, the financial implications of what you're doing. So yeah, Mm. those are the pieces that have been challenging. I know. I I definitely understand that Uh, with, with, we've seen so many businesses that have, that have, uh, even failed uh, throughout throughout COVID and have and have had to give up and so the mere fact that you guys are still going and that's that's really empowering to hear as well and I'm very encouraged to to hear that I'm so because you're you're helping so much it's not even just um, you know the the people but I, I believe also that you're helping to create a, an image that, that individuals have not seen before you know a, a way in which people are able to see. Uh, that there are individuals in this world who you have counted out, but who have great potential, who have great uh, views as to how they want to move forward in their lives. And you're giving them that chance. You're giving them a chance to where many people have not, or, or who, have, like I said before, just counted them out. And so yeah, I just feel yeah, like- I'll just give you, I'll give you yeah. one example of exactly what you're talking Please. about. One of the four individuals that we hired at the beginning with Amanda was another woman named Lori. Uh, again, another mm-hmm. woman who was very marginalized and sort of on the, a little bit of the very vulnerable in society, had not sure. held, held the job for about 20 years, living on social wow. assistance. Um, two kids, both kids were taken by family and child services. So just one of those um, stories that you listen to, to and feels- very hopeless in terms of where right. life is going. Um, but when Lori started at the Rock Carrot, um, this woman, honestly, uh, and this is exactly what you're speaking to, um, her parents had owned a truck, a trucking stop. And this little truck stop that her parents owned had a restaurant. So she had grown up in this little restaurant. This woman can chop onions like you cannot believe. And so we mm. brought her into the Rock Carrot sort of with that same assumption, assuming that, you know, she had very few skills and uh, and not very much in her life to go on. And she came into the raw carrot and was like a master onion chopper. Um, and we were totally blown out of the water. Like, you know, we, yeah. we assume things about people that are absolutely not correct. And I mean, one, mm. another thing that we assumed right away was that, you know, in Ontario, anyways, if you're on social assistance, you're only allowed to earn up to $200 a month, a month, free and clear. Mm-hmm. And after that, every dollar is clawed back by 50%. So, I mean, just imagine for the average person that, you know, after $200, 
you're having half of your wage clawed back. Like that's a massive, massive piece that you're having to give back. So our assumption that was that people would only want to work up until their $200. And really after that, they wouldn't Mm -hmm. want to work. We were completely wrong in that assumption, completely wrong. All of the staff members that we have on board have wanted to work way more hours than that. They understood that even though they were having this money clawed back, that they were, you know, that 50% was still way more valuable to them. And not only the money and not definitely not the income, but the social pieces, the dignity of work and being a part of a community was way more important to them than just working Mm. up to that $200 a month. So those were some assumptions that were, you know, we were just completely blown out of the water by. And, and I think that's exactly right is that there are some people out there who have amazing skills and totally have the um, capability to work. I love that. I love that. I mean, it, it's in a way, it's, it's the it's the way in which individuals will will see you, and and they'll automatically just judge you according to what they see or what they they have a perception of of your of your character or maybe even your work ethic. But but man. Uh, and that's why for me, you know, and I, and I wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect in this either, but definitely have grown in my life. But don't judge a book by its cover. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so so important for you to get to know people, understand their story, understand where they're coming from. And and, you know, give someone a chance because mm-hmm. everywhere, every everybody in this world, I don't I don't care what anybody says. This whole concept that we're hearing more so now that. You know, I'm self-made. That's that's a lie. That's a lie. No one is self-made. I mean, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to li- a little bit even more into my beliefs here. But we're literally created by God, and so <laughs> we're we're not self-made in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but uh, and when we when we look at the concept, there was always someone who believed in you who gave you a chance, and so. I just believe that we need to be more willing to do something like this, uh, to have that heart, to have that desire to to go into communities who have who have been disenfranchised, who have been marginalized and say, you know, I'm willing to, to give you a chance to. Can, can you can you give us a little bit more of an insight as to your heart behind this? Because it's uh, it, it's it's not common you know that that someone would will want to do something in in this way it, it, i don't i don't see this even as a you know people might not see this as what what's the what's the term here necessarily like so rewarding in a sense because or or profiting for yourself profiting for yourself right because more most people want to find ways that they can profit their own pockets or their own um, business or whatever the case may be. But the reward I find is that you're empowering people and, and, and that must make you feel great. And so can you just, can you just help us understand the heart behind why you do what you do? Yeah. I mean, you're speaking my language for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think if you are someone who wants to, you know, have, if profit is sort of your main driver, then you're not going to be in the charity sector. You are not going to be someone who goes down that path. Um, yeah, yeah. But you're right. Profit was probably never my main driver. I, I wanted mm. to do something that felt meaningful and that made a difference. And um, 
I am certainly not above sometimes feeling like, why am I doing this? Um, <laughs> you know, I think we all have those moments and there's, there's a hard road yeah. to travel sometimes, but you're right. Like the, the reward of knowing that we're, we're doing something that's making an impact um, in our small mm. communities uh, is, is what drives me. I mean, my, my faith is a huge part of what I do. You know, mm. I have to, you know, that background, I suppose of, yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that we're not self-made, we were, I believe we were created and we're here for a purpose and, um, the purpose is not only to make money, you know, that's something that you can't take with you when you go. Um, so I just, I feel driven by the hope uh, and love of Jesus in my own life. And I want to be able mm. to show that to others. Um, I just, I think that's that awesome. I've been so fortunate in my home life and in my upbringing, the, the privileges that I've had. Um, you know, and speaking to sort of some current issues, I mean, I'm a white woman that grew up in a middle class family and had all of the mm -hmm. benefits that society offers. Um, yeah. And that is not the case for everyone. And so um, I just feel like we were given the opportunity to step into the gap. Um, and, you know, it's not us making the difference. It's those staff members who have to get up every day, having gone through lives of poverty and challenges and they're the ones that have to get up for work and come in and uh you know work through pain lots of them experience pain during the day because of their physical disabilities like they're the heroes of that story they're the heroes of the ones mm -hmm. that that are are making it and we just had that privilege of being the ones who were able to create the environment for them to thrive so mm -hmm. you know that's that's where we were able to step in. I mean, yeah, I never see myself as the hero of this story. I always see our staff members as the ones who, who are the heroes of the story. And I've been so like, it's been so amazing during COVID that all our staff members, we've been able to keep cooking during this whole time because of course food has been essential. Yeah. So during the pandemic, so they've been essential oh. workers. Well, I mean, for people that have never in their lives been called essential, they've never been needed. People have never relied on them for anything. I mean, this is just an opportunity that they've, they've been able to shine. So yeah, again, like I would just say my privilege that I've been able to sort of step in and, and, and create, and, you know, have a hand in that. It's been amazing. <sighs> my heart is full. I, <laughs> like I'm listening to you and just knowing what, what you have created with the raw carrot and, and the impact that you're making in, in these lives. I just, my heart is full listening to this and, Knowing that, you know, there's there's so much light and hope in this world, even in the midst of a lot of the pain and the darkness that's that's going on. And, and you know, honestly, I like I listened to your story and, and you, you could have been someone who who felt like, you know what, I, I did enough for that one person. I, I tried my best and you know what, that's the end of the road and that's the system that we're in. The system is broken and all right, you know, tried our best, but you, you literally were willing, like you say, you stepped into the crack, you stepped into brokenness and you looked for a solution in the midst of all of that. And I, and I, I just must say, I, I applaud your, your tenacity. I applaud your vision. And, uh, and I just, I, I believe that, you know, as, especially as, you know, people who want to impact the world, you have to be willing to to look beyond what barrier has set in front of you and what are you willing to do to to uh, cross over those obstacles and make sure that people are able to 
to find a way or find a solution in the impact that you want to make. And, and so I guess to segue in this, what would you tell our listeners who want to impact the world and, you know, they're, they're looking for ways to do so, or they're trying to find their passion, they're trying to figure out their purpose. What would you tell our listeners uh, when it comes to this concept of, of impact and what, which way or which direction could they go? Like, what do they need to, if you had, let's say maybe two or three tips, like what, what do they need to know about themselves or to do in order for them to get out there and actually truly impact our communities? Mm. Um, Well, I would echo what you've just said in the sense of just start with one, you know, if mm. I had tried to envision the Raw Carrot as the multifaceted um, organization that it is now with, you know, 45 retail stores on board and multiple sites and employing staff, I, I never, ever could have envisioned what this would have been. But, you know, mm. we had the opportunity to just step into the gap with one person. It's like that story of the seashells on the beach. I'm sure you've heard it. There's a little kid yes. running along, throwing back the, it's a starfish, I guess, throwing back starfish. And yep. some, and some adult says, you know, why are you doing that? Look at all these thousands of starfish. And he says, yeah, but I, I made a difference for just that one. Um, you know, think about mm. the one because that's where it starts. And, had had I not gotten involved with Amanda, I never would have really been able to explore what the need was. Like I, I didn't understand the fullness of the need. And I didn't really understand that there was a gap there. A lot of people just think mm. that people on social assistance are lazy. Well, they're not actually lazy. They, they, they can't get a job. They literally can't get a job. And so um, that would be probably my advice is just start with one. Um, then I'd probably say, look to the resources around you. Like we were so fortunate, like, you know, it's not only me. I look at, you know, the, the person that I started this with, again, just a friend with a totally different skill set than, than me was, you know, a great partner. And then you look to what the church was able to offer, which, you know, the resources of a commercial kitchen, um, the partners in the community, the people who got on board with us and like supported the idea and purchased soup, like none of the things could have happened in isolation. It all took, you know, these, these collaborations and partnerships. And so I think look to the resources around you to see, you know, where you don't have to have everything. It's not all you You look around to see what else is there and then just explore your own passion. I mean, to me, this was my, my passion, um, you know, helping marginalized people um, and people living in poverty, but there's so many needs. So what is your passion? What is the thing that drives you? Um, mm-hmm. And so exploring that is probably, you know, the the core of it, because that's what keeps you going over the long term. Like, you know, it was easy sure. in the first year to feel very excited about what we were doing. You know, it's all new, all innovative, all super fun. And that, you know, that excitement lasted maybe two years. But, you know, seven <laughs> years in now, I have, you know, I am no longer idealistic and passionate in that same way. I'm passionate about what we're doing, but I'm yeah. not, you know, I don't have the blinders on. This is not all fun yeah, all the time. True. So you have to, you know, you have to be committed to something that really, really drives you that really mm. is, you know, sort of at the core of your soul and what, and what you see. So, mm. and sometimes that just takes time to find. Um, I mean, I, yeah, one of the things that, sort of as a piece of my story is the fact that I was out, I didn't work for six months. And it was during that period of six months that this idea sort of germinated. And so sometimes you Mm -hmm. need space in your life to even think about what you can um, get into and do. So anyways, just another, you know, there's so many pieces to that, but. That's real. 
That's real. Some of us are always, we need space in our lives because some of us are always just going, going, going. And we don't necessarily think to stop or just figure out, you know, who we are truly and what we truly care about. So I love that. Thank you for that. That's uh, that was deep. And I, and I hope that a lot of people uh, during COVID who had the opportunity to have space were able to do that as well. So I love that. What What's next for the raw carrot? What's next? Oh, such big dreams for what we hopefully can do. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're at four, we're only at four sites in Southwestern Ontario. We're mm-hmm. in 45 retail stores. I, I, we just want to continue to grow the work that's been happening. And, yeah. you know, for us, that's just creating more partnerships, finding out where we can start new raw carrot sites in collaboration with others, whether or not that's mm-hmm. churches or non-faith-based organizations, but to reach in and really just replicate this work to, to create more jobs. Um, and create more opportunities for people to have, you know, the social interaction, meaning, income, food security, um, those things. I mean, I'd love to advocate on a broader level with the government to see where we can, you know, um, create more uh, potential. You know, there's just there's we're one small organization and, and we really yeah. hope that there could be more of this kind of thing. So yeah, I've got big dreams of where something like this could go. Who knows? Across Canada. There you go. We'll see. There you go. <laughs> but but the, the goal is also to build way more raw carrots. Like people can, if they wanted to, someone could start their own raw carrot under your organization, correct? Yeah, no, that's it. That's exactly it. We basically launch a raw carrot site and it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes part of that church or organization. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we sort of package it up and help somebody launch it. But yes, that it becomes their raw carrot entity um sort of in partnership with ourselves and and the staff members become their staff members awesome so for someone who's listening and who's in your area and wants to help either by volunteering volunteering or someone who's listening and they're saying i want to donate to this cause uh can you give us a little bit more exactly just all the information that they need in order for them to help support the raw carrot um, I mean, everything you need to know is on our website, and that's just www.therawcarrot.com. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's ways that, again, different people, you know, you can get involved in different ways. One person can donate money to help us grow and fund the mm-hmm. vision to create more jobs, and other people become soup purchasers. And by, you know, by buying more soup, you're supporting all the people that we're currently trying to employ. Um, other organizations may may look to start a raw carrot somewhere in Ontario. So we're we're open to any and all of those ways and volunteers are always welcome to to get in, involved. So there's all of those various That's ways. Awesome. That's awesome. And then what are your social medias just for people to follow you and to see what you're doing? We are facebook.com slash the raw carrot and we are instagram.com slash peeling for change. All right. I like that. Peeling for change. I think that actually is what caught my attention, by the way. (laughs) Was the peeling for change? I was like, what are they peeling? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do so much peeling. And I saw the raw carrot and I was like, okay, I like and that that's where it all started because I saw peeling for change. I was like, I might need to talk to these people. So (laughs) that's awesome. Rebecca, honestly, it's been such a pleasure uh, to get to know you. And to see what you're doing in your community, it's honestly given me some uh, some things to think about myself. You know, as I'm looking to 
impact the world in a certain way, and uh, also to using the church uh, to impact the world because you know I think that's one of the greatest things that we can do in, in that organ in that type of organization through a church is share the message of Jesus Christ, of course, uh, and also to to love on humanity mm. and finding creative ways to to help and impact and everything of the sort. So I just I just want to thank you for for your willingness to to use what God has blessed you with and to follow the vision that he has for your life. You know, you, you didn't say no and you chose to move into that. And because of that, you're not only impacting people around you, but you're impacting the world because they're able to see that vision and, and your willingness to to do what you're called to do. So thank you so much for that. Well, thanks, Brian. It was amazing to speak to your listeners, and I hope that somebody is inspired to uh, to change their own little pocket of the world in any way that they can. There you go. That's what we're all about here. We're all about looking to incite change, to show people how it's possible, and for you to go now back into your own life to make that difference that you know you know you need to do in your own personal life, but also to go out into your community and to change humanity. So thank you so much, Rebecca. Really appreciate it and looking forward to many more things or possible partnerships as well in the future. So thank you so much for what you do. Thanks, Brian. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Madcasters with your host, Brian St. Louis. Please remember, do what you are called to bring into this world. Someone's life depends on your willingness to obey your calling. You are special and you have something positive to bring to this world that no one else can. Every Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Time, a new episode will be ready for you to listen and grow from. Be sure to subscribe to Madcasters on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Instagram at Madcasters. Support the podcast through patreon.com backslash Madcasters. Because together, we can make the difference in order to change the world.